Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedekin. Just going to start off here by thanking our latest Patreon contributors from this past week. We had Carolyn. John, Emily, Heather, Brent, Alex, Sarah, oh, two Sarah H's, Sarah M.H. and Sarah H. What's like The Bachelor? (laughs) It's totally like The Bachelor. There's always like four Laurens. Yeah. Now we have Sarah's. Yeah. Sarah's the new Lauren. Totally. I love it. Thank you, ladies. We had Eric and Lara. And Diane, tonight. Wait, we also had a contributor who like majorly upped their contribution. Oh yeah, Thomas. Thomas. That was Big so shout bad. out to Thomas, upped his contribution. Alan also upped his contribution this oh, week too. That's so cool, guys. Yeah, thank you, thank so you guys much. so much. Uh, really, really helps us out a lot. Anyway, Desi, how was your week? It was uh, fine. I took a little trip this weekend. That's oh. why we're delayed on this week's episode because my flight got delayed two times last night. So it was just way too late to get to Rachel's and record in time. So that's, uh, it's all my fault. (laughs) My niece for getting married. Desi's chugging (laughs) some coffee right now. Yes. We're going to do this episode. I am very excited to hear about some Natalie Wood conspiracies. Right. But first we're going to give our recap of this past week's episode of the assassination of Gianni Versace. Right. And I do feel like it's a continuation of the good episode run. Yeah. Um, Although I didn't like the Versace section. Uh, yeah. It's still the weakest section. It's still the weakest section. I don't know what it is about it. It's Wait, like. I'm sorry. I have to refresh me because I was sort of out of it when I watched it. But basically they were going into the whole sale of the company. Right. It opened up with him wanting to be open about being gay. Yes, Correct. he was going to do an interview. For or the, having AIDS. That's what I was confused about. Or they, HIV positive. They alluded, Sorry. That, they alluded that he was positive again. But it's such an illusion because they don't really say it, right? Right. And that wasn't confirmed either in reality that he was it's positive. It's still not confirmed. It's never been confirmed. So I so don't it's a know. Weird, uh, yeah, it's a weird illusion to make. But regardless of whether it's true or not, I still don't find that section compelling. But I do feel like, wow, Donatella is really being portrayed as a fucking heartless bitch. They, they don't portray her in a very nice way. Right. Um, I don't know how much of that is true about their relationship or her feelings. Obviously, we have to remember this takes place over 20 years ago when attitudes about uh, LGBT right. issues were a lot different in uh, But she's the still basically ignoring her brother's wishes right. to, for money. Regardless of right, whether or not true. you think the times were different, he wanted to be open about it, right. which is cool, I think, and and was needed at the time for more people Absolutely. to be uh, open about that. And he felt he was in a position of power <clears throat> where right. it would be okay for him to do right. that, and he felt he was doing the right thing by coming out. I just think she comes off looking horrible, especially the industry that they were in, which is, you know, has a lot of gay people in it. <laughs> 
you know, and to this day, right? So to have that representation out there is probably not great for her. Modern yeah. day, even like right, um, and also the way she seems to be treating his husband or or his yeah. longtime boyfriend just seems fucked up to me. She doesn't respect that they're in a committed relationship to each other, right? And that they love each other. But anyways, that was just a short period up top. But I mean, it was interspersed later with the uh, interview, right? I um, I liked. I actually did like how they did that. Yeah, so that was better. Yeah, basically, how this episode, what this episode was about is we got a backstory on Jeff Trail, who was Andrew Cunanan's first victim. Right. And, I, you know, I I didn't like this episode as much as... The last two. The last two, but it was impactful. It did make me really sad. It was effective in making right. me angry and in making me sad about the way LGBT people are treated in the military. Oh, yeah. And how at the time don't ask don't tell was even considered like you know, acceptable acceptable right is wild to me personally i feel like anyone who wants to serve in the military should be allowed to like yeah it's and, absurd and i'm not like a military lover me either but it's like you person. should be grateful for anyone who's willing to do that service is insane to me that you would reject people based on that kind of thing it's just it's just a lot anyways i do feel like the reason i liked the other two episodes was they didn't cut in any versace and i feel like that did weaken this episode slightly even though i right. did like the jeff trail story because it right. was majority him i liked the whole military thing i liked them at the club like meeting at the bar yeah that storyline i don't know how accurate it is but i i thought it worked for me it did work i still hate andrew cunanan <clears throat> of with course. a fiery passion i fucking hate him every time he i mean Darren Chris, I say it every week. He's so effective at playing this guy. Because you don't like him at all, which I feel like is good. We should not be charmed by him. No, I'm not charmed by him. One second, I'm repulsed by him, especially um, I'm sure all of us at some point or another have dealt with someone with a degree of sociopathy, sociopathy. I don't know how to say that word. Thought it was good the first one. Okay. (laughs) The first one sounded smart. Apathy. Apathy? Yeah. I mean, I that sounds official. Know. Does We're that li- sound scientific? Of course. So every time Andrew Cunanan is on screen, I just fucking hate him. Right. I hate him so much. And I really, um, I, I did think I did think the guy who played Jeff Trails did a really good job. Uh, I should do better with having the names of the actors prepared when I do these recaps, but I'm sorry. I'll try again next week. Look, we're all trying to improve every day. <laughs> Um, and the last scene of the episode was the most effective to me. And that was that, uh, you know, it it cut from the scene where Andrew Cunanan is about to murder Jeff Trail. And then it cuts to Jeff Trail's bedroom and his answering machine playing messages from his family members because his sister has gone into labor and she's giving birth to right. her uh, his niece. And we remember he was killed at David's apartment. Yes. So that's why. Yeah. So, you know, it sort of reinforces the idea that like these were real people. I think it's easy to forget with, you know, I think true crime is like such a popular thing in our culture. And it's, we love hearing all the sort of details and we love hearing about uh, these awful, awful people doing horrible things. But sometimes, you know, it is, at least for me, like you forget like, oh yeah, these are like real people right. with real lives. And I think that they did a really good job uh, honoring 
Jeff Trail's backstory. Yeah, I like. Hopefully, it. I mean, I I hope the family like that's my hope is that the family of Jeff Trail. Well, because is, I do think that Versace took all the sort of attention, but there were these victims before him. Yes, and I'm curious if this show will ever humanize Versace in the way they have the other victims, right? Because um, so far they haven't really for me, and it's. Funny because I knew the most about him going right. into this. Right. Um, I don't know. I didn't know anything about And I'm about curious the what victims. the other episodes are going to be at this point. Right. Because there's no more murder. <clears throat> but um, it looked like they were going to do sort of a drug storyline maybe. In Oh, right. Because he did have this reputation as being some kind of drug he seller was shooting or dealer. Up, he was shooting up meth in the opening of this episode. Right. Andrew Cunanan. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. But um, I'm kind of sad these stories are over because I don't have a lot of hope. <laughs> I know. And we say that every week. Like, we're like, how are they going to do that? So, right. I don't know. But I don't it's know how they're sort of disappointing it. to know that the three backstories of those characters are gone now. I still think it, it is. I mean, I, I go back and forth often on my feelings about them doing this story in reverse right? and sort of jumping all over the place. And I question the effectiveness of it because there isn't a buildup right. in that way, right? if that makes sense. Yeah. You're not building up to the big Versace killing. Right. Or part. you're not building up to, oh, he's going to murder someone. Oh, is he? Is he not? Is he going? You know, like you. I don't necessarily have a problem with them going back backwards or whatever so to speak i have a problem with the versace storyline <laughs> like do you know what i well, mean that's like, my biggest problem in general with yeah the but i don't know if that's a time right timeline related issue or just the fact that they're not doing a great job selling it i just don't i would like to see more of versace's inner struggle maybe that would help I, there's a thing about the versace storyline in the show they're just the stakes aren't that high for me Right. And it's but not they're not that, telling me anything I didn't know except for this stuff that I don't necessarily know is true. Right. And they're trying to make that a big deal, but it's kind of hard to do when you think that they might not be telling the truth or not are speculating. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens next week. Yeah, I'll we'll still see. watch it. Yeah. And I still think that uh, there's a lot of great things about this show. There's a lot of stuff I do well, like. Yeah. So spe- specifically, uh, a lot of the performances have been really great. I feel like the even the Versace performances are good, except for maybe Donatella is a little bit of a character. That was the other thing we were talking about that briefly on Twitter tonight about Donatella's uh, Penelope Cruz's performance. It's sort of the only one that reads as like a kind of sketch character almost. Well, I always like speaking of that. Like, do you I mean, remember? Maybe it's hard to do her. Do you remember Maya Rudolph? Yes, yeah. I mean, she has the best Donatella Versace, right? In my opinion. <laughs> so I don't know why it, that's not working for me. But I would say that's sort of the casting that works the least for me. Yeah. I don't know why. It could just be Donatella is really hard to do after hearing the comedy bits so long. Right. Um, it always kind of sounds like the person's trying to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Totally. So, um, all right, that's our recap. That's the recap. Okay, so what do you got for us this week, guys? Okay, so this week uh, we are doing part two of the Natalie Wood story. Um, so last week we kind of left off um, after laying out the basic official report of yeah. what had happened in the aftermath of her death in 1981. We also uh, 
kind of went into some of the stuff that the um, chief medical examiner and coroner for the county of Los Angeles, Thomas Noguchi, wrote about in his book, where he kind of speculated what her last moments uh, were like. So even though I don't think that's in the official record, it was sort of by the same person who made the official record. So as we said, even though there was a million questions at the time, that was sort of the end of it. It officially ended about two weeks after she died. Uh, the, The death was ruled an accidental drowning. But it always kind of remained one of Hollywood's greatest mysteries, and people never really fully accepted the story, and it was something that people speculated, especially in the tabloids, for years after after she died. Now, um, I think I briefly stated like the official story that all three men on the boat uh, with Natalie had said was that none of them knew what had happened. It was like a pleasant evening out. They were drinking, uh, and at some point, she they noticed that she was missing. But no one had said, there was sort of speculation that there had been fighting, et cetera. But until 1986, there was no confirmation from Robert Wagner that that had been the case. In his 1986 memoir, which was called Heart to Heart with Robert Wagner, (laughs) a play on his TV show, but it was spelled the actual heart way, H-E-A-R-T-T, or no, T, sorry. God, I'm so dumb. Um, He actually speculated a bit more on what he thought had happened, and then he'll. I'm going to get into um, his next biography. So this is the first memoir. He said that this is what he thought had happened, and this became like a famous theory. I think they started calling it the banging dinghy theory. The banging dinghy? Yes. So this is a quote from Robert Wagner's memoir. It was only after I was told that she was dressed in a sleeping gown, heavy socks, and a parka that it dawned on me what had really occurred. Natalie obviously had trouble sleeping with that dinghy slamming up against the boat. It happened many, many times before, and I had always gone out and pulled the ropes tighter to keep the dinghy flush against the yacht. She probably skidded on one of the steps after untying the ropes. The steps are slick as ice because of the algae and the seaweed that's always clinging to them. After slipping on the steps, she hit her head against a boat. I only hope she was unconscious when she hit the water. (laughs) It's kind of a demented thing to say. (laughs) Like, I mean, I get where he's coming from, but it does sound kind of horrible. Like, I can only hope that she was unconscious when she drowned. (laughs) What do you think of that theory? I don't know if I would do that. Like, what woman would be like, go do it themselves? Wouldn't you be like, honey. (laughs) Wow, Desi. Go stop that dinghy. Talk about regressive fucking ideas. You know what? I'm super regressive when it comes to going out in the middle of the night (laughs) tying a dinghy up to a boat. Like, there's just no fucking way. Or you have a captain on the boat who's like your paid employee. That's right. They like, did have a captain. Like, what's the point of having servants or whatever <laughs> if you're not going to, like, use them for that kind of thing, correct? I mean, come on. I agree. I, I, I personally, I mean, unless I was an experienced boater, which I'm not, but. But knowing everything you know about her, that she was afraid of dark water and drowning. Right. Like, come on. And like. In the middle of the dark night. And it's also, remember, this is a cold and not a great water. Like, it's a choppy water situation. It was sort of drizzly and the weather was not great. You're not going to go out and do that in the middle of the night. All I can say is that if it was me, whether or not I knew how to fix the dinghy, I would definitely wake up Robert Wagner and be like, babe, fucking fix it. (laughs) I mean, come on. There's just no way. Um, Anyways, in his... um, 2008 memoir first of all why does robert wagner have so many memoirs i'm sorry wait he has two memoirs yeah. so in his his 2008 memoir which was called pieces of my heart oh come on oh, come on robert wagner he did finally acknowledge that they had had an argument 
before uh, she disappeared. What was it about? So this book was a bestseller, and it was probably because he did make these revelations about Natalie Wood and the night she died. He he went further into offering some details that he hadn't previously said about the night she went, went missing. So this is a quote from the book. The last time I saw my wife, she was fixing her hair at a little vanity in the bathroom while I was arguing with Chris Walken. I shut her, I shut, I shut the door. She was going to bed. According to, to, to Robert Wagner, him and Christopher Walken were arguing about politics, not about Natalie Wood, and that the debate kind of got very heated. And Wood... Did Christopher think Bernie would have won? <clears throat> yeah, right. At some point, uh, the, the, the talk did turn to Natalie Wood's career, and, and Walken was suggesting that she should start pursuing her career more heavily, and that angered Robert Wagner, who apparently um, smashed a bottle of wine so hard that he shattered. It shattered. He claims that no one in the party was anywhere near drunk, but they were tipsy. Also, this bottle of wine that shattered, um, it was in the investigation, the initial investigation, they did find this glass. And at the time, Robert Wagner claimed that it must have fallen and broken because of the choppy waters. So he's kind of admitting, or not really admitting, but he's changed his story in this memoir. Yeah from what he's said to the police. And that's happened a ton, by the way, like little things here and there that he's changed kind of don't add up. Right. So at some point, Natalie goes off because she doesn't want to handle or deal with this, um, fighting. Yeah. Um, so he says in this memoir, it continued, I went below and Natalie wasn't there. Strange. I went back up to the deck and looked around for her and noticed the dinghy was gone. Stranger. I remember wandering, wondering if she'd taken the dinghy because of the argument. And then I thought, no way, because she was terrified of dark water. And besides that, the dinghy fired up so loudly, we would have heard it whether we were in the salon or on the deck. When her body was found hours later, Robert Wagner said that his knees went out, everything went away from me. Soon afterward, a a helicopter came and took us to the mainland. Yes, I blamed myself. Natalie would have felt the same way had it happened to me. Why wasn't I there? Why wasn't I watching? I would have done anything in the world to make her life better or protect her. Anything. I would have given my life for hers because that's the way we were. Uh, He went on to say that nobody knows what happened. There were only two possibilities. Either she was trying to get away from the argument or she was trying to tie the dinghy. But the bottom line is that nobody knows exactly what happened. Well, that is true, Robert Wagner. But guess what, bitch? (laughs) People are going to start investigating it. And that is exactly what happened in 2011. Um, actually, November of 2011, exactly 30 years after Wow, she died. <clears throat> uh, and I do believe I, I mentioned this last week. The case was reopened. Officially. Officially. And partially um, that has to do with Dennis Deverne, who was the captain on the night uh, that she was, um, she, uh, she died. Uh, he he signed, he got a petition together with 700 other signatures for the LAPD to reopen the investigation. Robert Wagner? No, Dennis DeVern. Okay, sorry. Um, In addition to that, um, well, he, basically what he had said was his official story was a lie. And that's sort of part, partly why the case was reopened. In addition to that was um, a 48 hours investigation was also about to be released, um, sort of diving back into the case. And Deverne was someone who was showcased in this um, 48 Hours investigation. Now, according to uh, Susan Zarinsky, who was an executive producer of that 40 Hours, 
She said, we're grateful for the opportunity to drive the discussion and motivate the LA County Sheriff's Department to take a second look. So she's kind of taking credit for them reopening the case yeah. in 2011. Now, in that 48 hours, they talked to a few uh, witnesses that hadn't previously come forward about anything. Um, one of these witnesses was a woman named Marilyn Wayne, who was on a boat nearby with her boyfriend, John Payne. Believe me, I looked this up like a hundred times because I was like, what are the chances someone named Payne and Wayne are dating? <laughs> and I was like, do I have the names wrong? Were they married? Like I looked at, I spent way too much time fact checking this and I just want some fucking appreciation. That is true. It's John Payne and Marilyn Wayne. Okay. Um, and they were docked or whatever you call it on a boat nearby the Splendor. Their boat's name was Capricorn. And according to them around midnight, Payne, the boyfriend, heard a woman yelling, help me, someone please help me. The voice was coming, in his opinion, from the direction where the splendor was, and Payne believed from someone in a dinghy. Uh, he woke up Marilyn Wayne, sorry, who also heard the cries. The couple claimed that they didn't respond, respond because, I think I had mentioned last week, there was a large raging party on the shore at the same time, right? They also, they thought that it was someone who was maybe just playing around initially. They also said that they heard a man's drunken voice respond mockingly, okay, honey, we'll get you. I'm sorry. Uh, so like I said before, they initially believed that these voices were probably coming from the party yeah. at the time, but then afterwards, like looking back, uh, they're like, they oh realized, shit, that was oh, real. Shit, yeah. The 48 Hours um, episode also included an interview with an EMT who had examined Natalie's body after it was found. Uh, he had said that rigor mortis had totally set in, and that meant she was in the water for a long time before she perished. His theory is that someone called for a search right away. If someone had called for a search right away, they could have saved her. Wow. This guy in the show apparently broke down and said, 30 years later, I'm still having trouble dealing with that fact. After that 48 hours aired and the um, police investigation was, um, you know, reinstituted, Christopher Walken actually hired a litigation spec specialist to represent him. And he had not, he's never, at that point, had never really spoken about it again. And he would always sort of avoid those questions in yeah. any kind of type of interview. Another interesting thing that's sort of just like a little fun fact at the time the investigation was reopened, I guess Robert Wagner has a recurring ro role on NCIS. And at the time, the character that he plays had been arrested after a body was discovered in the trunk of a car he was driving. <laughs> I don't know why. But that was airing around the same time this 48 Whoa. Hours uh, Mystery was airing. And that's the same network, CBS. But CBS yeah. decided to still run with the episode, yeah. even though it was like whatever. Now, Deverne kind of went on a little bit of a media tour. He was interviewed by Today after that um, 48 hours mystery or investigation. Uh, and he at some point was asked, was the fight between Natalie Wood and her husband, Robert Wagner, what ultimately led to her death? De um, Deverne replied, yes. And David Gregory asked how so he said, like I said, that's going to be up to the investigators to decide. So he keeps kind of hinting at this stuff and he basically is like oh i'm gonna let the investigation you know that's what they're gonna do but probably he doesn't want to you know contaminate the investigation yeah. right at the time wagner's rep representative issued a statement basically saying 
we haven't heard from the LA County Sheriff's Department yet, but we f- fully support any and all investigations, like that kind of thing, into the death of Natalie Wood, as long as it's valid. Like they kind of, you know, couch it in that kind of thing, and not from people who are simply trying to um, profit from her death. <laughs> so they're basically throwing Dennis Devern a little under the bus. Yeah. And I'm going to get into his history a bit about that. Now, this is also like one of the times where Lana Wood, Natalie's sister, also came out and saying that she thinks that Robert Wagner did withhold evidence from the initial investigation. I don't think they have a great relationship. Yeah. So she's kind of also an unreliable witness. That doesn't mean she's lying, but but she has it's a frustrating a thing against in, him. Well it's a frustrating thing I think in any court case or anything where someone sells their story and then they're immediately not credible. Right. What I don't think it necessarily means they're not lying or they're lying, but like I mean that happened in the OJ case too, right? One of the big witnesses like sold their story. Anyways, as I said before, the chief reason that this case really didn't die down in like a major way, not just tabloid speculation, is because of Dennis Devern and all of his efforts. He kind of has long claimed shortly after uh, the investigation ended, I guess, that something more sinister had happened that night. So as I said before, he said that he basically admitted at some point that the story he initially gave investigators was a lie. Uh, Unfortunately, he did sell a lot of his story or parts of his story to tabloids for money. So he kind of had that taint about him. (laughs) Sorry. Did you just say he had a taint? (laughs) He had a taint about him. (laughs) Stop it, Rachel. This is serious science. Um, But the more the years have gone on, more witnesses have come out that sort of backed up this story so that's giving his story a little bit more credibility and that's sort of why things got heated up again recently so basically i'm going to get into dennis Devern's kind of breakdown of what happened that night okay. and this is sort of the impetus for all of the new investigations happening and new witnesses coming forward and in, in Devern's story this was not just an accident as robert wagner has said but it was sort of the final act of this drunken and sort of rage-filled weekend with Christopher Walken on this boat. Just a little backstory of how Dennis met the couple. When they bought the boat Splendor on their Florida honeymoon, he was hired to help them bring the boat from Florida to California. So he kind of basically drove it or whatever to California for them. And they um, ended up liking him so much, they hired him to be like their official captain for the boat. He got really close to them because they sort of would always include him in whatever their partying they did. I think they kind of went to Catalina almost every weekend. So he got really close to him. According to Dennis, with a lot of boat owners, you just stay out of the way. But as the years went by, we really got to know each other. And he'd kind of party with them and barbecue with them and like hang out with them on yeah. as they enjoyed their weekend boat trips. Uh, he really loved working with them. He thought they were a great family. He loved the fact that they always brought their kids with them on the boat. It wasn't just this, you know, party alone, you know, as a couple. They also, like I said before, they kind of would use these trips to unwind. And they had a lot of stress going on in their life towards the last year. As I mentioned, some of that last uh, week where it was like careers were swinging. Hers was not as great. His was doing better. They both had weird things going on set, like yeah. affairs or rumors of kind of cheating but so according to Deverne, these trips were always like when the kids weren't there were very party drinking situations. He told one story where he said that they'd knock down a few bottles of wine and Natalie was a real partier. I'd tell her, I'll give you five quaaludes if you give me 10 Valiums, because at the time I liked taking a Valium in the morning and floating all day. So they're like 
taking quaaludes and Valium and drinking wine with those, which I'm sure feels great, but it's probably not the best behavior on a boat. No. I don't know. Um, so I guess the point of that is that they really trusted him and he was kind of in with them. He wasn't just some employee. Right. Um, so like I said before, uh, at some point, you know, the Thanksgiving weekend in 1981, Wood invites her co-star Christopher Walken to join the couple on one of their weekend excursions. Uh, as I mentioned before, it was like a gray and stormy kind of, it was not like a sunny weather. It was weather not good trip, weather. Right. Devern got word that Christopher Walken was coming. It was weird because he didn't think that RJ even knew Christopher. Like he just knew of him. And maybe I think he did go to the set at some point, but I don't know that they really knew each other. Well, wasn't there the rumor that Christopher Walken <clears throat> yes. and Natalie Wood were <clears throat> Totally. Fucking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it so, was, I mean, look, it was a really he odd knew, choice. Yeah. Yeah. To bring him along. So it's also like beyond just the Natalie Wood thing, it's like here's a young hot movie star and his career is in decline. Like there's a lot of whatever Natalie was pulling was weird in many ways. Now, apparently I hadn't heard this, but apparently she had invited a producer from heart to heart and her personal secretary and both ended up not going that weekend. So it did just end up being Christopher Walken. So this maybe, is really like the setup to a sitcom right. situation. <laughs> According to Devern, he didn't like Walken from the moment he saw him. Uh, he told a story about, I guess that he'd kind of dressed funny. Like he, That's I think, I think like it was, him? I think it was like these two boat guys and this like noob comes along. <laughs> I think it's like one of those situations. Right. I don't think he really didn't like him, but it was kind of like, he who just, is this guy? He found and reasons. he's close to RJ. So he probably did have a little like a, you know, he sided his friend. With he's siding with Robert Wagner. Right. So they left around noon um, on the Friday of that weekend. I think we had this discussion last week where you were upset about Thanksgiving. <laughs> So we're I wanted, realizing I wanted to make we're sure realizing they, that they, they did leave after Thanksgiving. Okay. They left on Friday around noon. Well, now I want to know what happened to the leftovers. No yeah. one did they, did they take the leftovers you just go on the on a boat cruise and don't bring the leftovers and make sandwiches. What the fuck? Daverne said that he noticed immediately, like that Natalie was super flirtatious and lavishing a lot of attention on Christopher Walken, and and he sort of noticed that Robert Wagner was noticing this. Uh, he said they were kind of giggling and talking in the salon, which is like the living room area on the boat. And RJ was getting more and more annoyed. And obviously they're all drinking a ton. And so all of those emotions are escalating. Oh, this is so awkward. Yeah. I mean, I'm just picturing it. It's like, imagine like if I was married and I brought along some guy that I worked right. with. Who, that had rumors of an affair. And who my like, husband was jealous of in some capacity, whether right. unfounded or not. And bringing him along on a boat. And it's just the three of you stuck right. on a fucking boat. I can't imagine the level of awkwardness. Well, Deverne described it this way. The boat just starts getting smaller. You can't look for a whole lot of escape. So you're on this boat and even a, a yacht or whatever, it's still pretty small. Like, yeah. So um, they, I guess they kind of spent a day on Catalina. Have you ever been to Catalina? No. There's have not you? much to do there. I have been there one time. So basically, they go into the main town. It's called Avalon. Uh, it's just like a resort <clears throat> town. Yeah, there's literally nothing to do. There's like a few restaurants. So they kind of go into town when they get there. Uh, at some point, Walken does start feeling sick. And I feel like it might have been a little seasickness, which I'm sure irritated the men. <laughs> so at some point, he returned back to the boat to rest in his cabin. Now, in an init his initial interview with the police, um, Deverne said 
He commented on the sea being grumpy. That was his description. This is where the first big fight Walken starts. Walken said the sea was grumpy? No, Deverne said the sea was grumpy. Okay. Uh, and this is an interview with Deverne, an initial police interview. He also said that, that RJ wanted to move the position of the boat, and Natalie thought it wouldn't do any good. So I think RJ wanted to move where he thought maybe the water would be less choppy. Yeah. And Natalie uh, was like, no. And she said she'd rather spend the night af- ashore. So I guess they didn't want to sleep on the boat that night because yeah. it was so crazy. Um. I don't want to sleep on a boat at all, personally. So our, Rag, Wagner said that he did move the Splendor closer to shore to get out of the heavy sea. And there's been some... Um, there, were, there I mentioned there was a disagreement by Natalie. She didn't want to do that. She asked Dennis Deverne to take her ashore and uh, sleep in a hotel for the night. Um, Dennis agreed to that story initially, but now he's telling a, com- a completely different story of what happened Friday night before... Uh, before the Saturday night disappearance. So he said there was the argument going on between the two. And at some point, Christopher went down to take a nap or something. And the the argument between Natalie and RJ really started escalating. To me, it sounds like they're fighting about the position of the boat, but it's really... It's something it's else. It's something else, right? right? In fact, the fight was so bad that Dennis Deverne, like couldn't believe that people were fighting like that, knowing that there were other people, you know, in the area. Um... At some point, Natalie said to RJ, you're being silly. They went back and forth. And Natalie finally said, I'm going ashore. Dennis, will you take me ashore? Uh, Deverne said, because the tension on the boat was so unbearable, he agreed. And he thinks that that's why she wanted to leave. Like, she couldn't take the tension. It really wasn't about the choppy water. Uh, She also kind of wanted to go home. Like, not just ashore, but actually leave the whole trip altogether. Um, at some point during that fight, Deverne knocked on Walken's stateroom door and he asked him to intervene in the fight. Uh, Walken refused and he said to him, never get, an invo- never get involved in an argument between a man and, him- and his wife. And then he went back to sleep. I mean, I do think that Walken was correct. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Although maybe it would have been good if it exploded and everybody went home. Now, uh, in Walken's main interview with the police, which took place on December 3rd after Natalie died, he kind of agrees with Javern's new um, version of the story. He said that he was really ill, went back to the bunk. Uh, he, he heard the hubbub above, and um, he described it as not yelling, but just kind of heavy arguing. He did hear the sound of an anchor chain, and he recalled Natalie coming to his door and saying, uh, that Robert Wagner wants to cross during the night, and then she left. He next remembers the captain waking him up and telling, uh, and he said in his interview that he did say that about never intervening with a, cap- uh, yeah. a man and his wife. So all of that is confirmed by this Christopher Walken interview. It's just kind of weird that we never heard that story when it was on the record from 1981. So um, Deverne did take Natalie Wood again ashore that night. In the dinghy, that she eventually would die with or whatever yeah. you want to say. The dinghy's name, by the way, is is was called The Valiant, which was named after Prince Robert Valiant. Wagner's Prince Valiant movie. And his haircut. I know. Isn't that funny? Because I thought he hated that movie. Yeah. But whatever, I guess. Who okay. knows? Um, so there was a manager of the restaurant. His name was Paul Reynolds, and he was interviewed after that. He said that... Um, they requested to use the phone to see if they could locate rooms for the night. Um, he asked Natalie if she had a boat, and she replied, no, is there a boat going back? So they were kind of on this island, he, and I guess they used a public 
like a ferry boat to get back and forth. Oh, oh no, a boat back to the main island. I'm sorry, I got confused. She was asking if there was a boat back to the mainland. Okay. Okay, there wasn't at that time. Um, the next one was 10 a.m. the following morning. So she had no choice but to stay on the island that night. Yeah. So they reserved two rooms. But um, I think at some point they ended up getting drunk and then they went to the rooms and they never uh, they never used the two rooms. They actually stayed together in one room and he sort of consoled her all night about the fight and stuff like that. But they yeah. didn't have sex or anything, like nothing happened. But they did end up staying together in a hotel room um, together and RJ and Christopher Walken were on the boat sleeping that night. Um. Now, he also says that while he was in the room with Wood, that they drank wine, they went to sleep, and we thought it was best for me to stay with her for protection. She knew I was going to make, I wasn't going to make any kind of play for her. She was comfortable with me. <clears throat> and as I said, the police report confirms that when they went to Deverne's room, it had a. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money, and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson. I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals. And during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th to May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost on top of Big Give Week cashback rates, go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. Period, completely unused. So this is all like accurate. And he's like, it, it looks like he is telling the truth throughout this story. 
The morning, the next morning, they woke up and they seemed disoriented. They were also inquiring about catching boat back to the mainland. Um, I think at some point, uh, Natalie realized that she couldn't just abandon walk-in on the Splendor. Yeah. So they ended up going back to the boat and she kind of made big breakfast for everyone and everyone kind of just acted like nothing had happened, like that she was basically there all night. At some point during the day, RJ went to go fishing and out on the boat. Uh, Natalie and Walken, this is Saturday, went uh, to the, take naps in their stateroom while he was out on the boat. And then they all sort of went to uh, shore at some point. Um, <clears throat> Natalie and Walken went first. And I think I mentioned this a bit last time. Uh, they were sort of drinking and then they were eventually joined by Wagner and Deverne. Now, when, when uh, Wagner and Deverne showed up, RJ and Walken, I mean, uh, Walken and Wood were already like laughing and drinking and kind of drunk at the bar. So Wa- Wagner shows up and his wife is partying with this guy and being having a kind good of drunk. time. <clears throat> uh, Deverne actually set, stated that he's like, we were sober because we don't drink around the clock. Like, I guess, in, insinuating that Natalie is a hardcore drinker, which maybe she was. Good for her. So, um, at that point, Wagner made a reservation for an early dinner. Um, so I think uh, they expressed dissatisfaction with the wine list. Natalie even said something like, we could go shopping on the Splendor and get our own wine. Deverne actually returned to the boat to get wine for their dinner and bring it back to the restaurant. That's fancy. <laughs> which is insane. Like, that's what you need a servant for. Um Actually, Walken went with him, and Deverne said that while they were taking the Valiant to the boat to get wine... Walken was like, please get me away from know, this couple right? for one second. He, they smoked a joint together on the, on the yeah, trip Yeah, he was there. probably stressed yeah. out by this so, tense yeah. couple. <laughs> so then everyone... they Those two were high, you know, high as a kite. Um, there was a, a party, had a waitress named Tina Quinn that night, and when she was interviewed, she said that during the dinner party they consumed two bottles of wine and that one of the men had been drinking daiquiris. She also, daiquiris. I know, right? That's like my mom's drink. <laughs> like that, that's not a man drink. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, she also remembered that other parties in the bar had bought two bottles of champagne for them. So that's four bottles of wine and, and some so daiquiris. They were getting choice. They were getting fucking drunk. Uh, she said that during the meal, Natalie did not eat much out of her dinner and that she was complaining about a lot of things. Like there's too much light on the table. The table's too big. The fish wasn't fresh. Um, it appeared to her that, um, Natalie was not in a great mood. Um, so she also said that she saw at some point Natalie throw a water glass to the floor as the, as they were starting to leave. She also said that Robert Wagner lifted a dark colored jacket and she felt it was being used as a shield because Natalie was, was sort of stumbling out of the restaurant and he was sort of hiding it from people who would see her or paparazzi or whatever. Um, she said that they all seemed grumpy by the time they left. Like all of them were in a foul mood despite all the alcohol. (laughs) There's that, there's always that turning point when you drink a lot, you're really fine. And then all of a sudden you're not, um, at some point, she did clarify the state statement saying that they appeared to be changing moods in and out all night long, like going from laughing oh, to solemn. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think I mentioned the the restaurant manager, Don Whiting. He had called he had called for Harbor Patrol to make sure they got back to the, the boat safely because they did appear so drunk. 
He also commented that he thought there were some problems between Robert Wagner and Natalie that night. And he remembered the broken glass also and, and thought that it possibly had been thrown. And he said that Robert Wagner seemed very irritated with Natalie. Um, Walken explained the broken glass incident to police. He said, it was my fault. I was making a toast while drinking. At the conclusion of the toast, I threw my glass to the floor as I always do. I remember Natalie and I think everybody else did the same, that they all broke these glasses. Who does that at the end of every toast? I'm sorry, I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> That's not a thing. Um, apparently, that wasn't the first time Natalie had broken a wine glass when upset or angry. She did it. Um, she broke a glass and cut her hand the day Robert Wagner left the house when they first got divorced. And then they recreated that, that um, thing that she did in a movie called The Affair after Wagner's character abandons her. I don't know what that's all about. Deverne also says that they were definitely flirting during the dinner, Walken and Natalie, and that they were giggling and touching. And uh, she was excited to be around him, whether or not they were having an affair. She was definitely like into his attention. She also didn't want to return to the boat that night either. Uh, but they did. Obviously. Well, also, if she was like mad at Robert Wagner, right. she could have been playing. Can you that imagine up. being with someone you hate or are mad at on a small boat? I would. I mean, it seems like a nightmare. Fucking want to die. Right. She might have been playing it up. Like if I'm sure. Like if what if Robert accused her and she's like, oh, I'll fucking show you what it looks. Yeah, like Yeah, and when, when you're flirting. drunk, yeah. you're like more apt to do that. I feel like right. So there was, uh, I mentioned the Harbor Patrol police were sort of monitoring the situation of them going back to the boat. One of them later described um, or said that he had heard sort of what he thought was a scream from one of the females as she was um, going onto the ramp to the dinghy and that he also thought she seemed drunk and angry about something that had happened. Uh, so, um, and this is still from the original interview with Deverne, the December 10th interview. He uh, pretty much said, you know, RJ and Natalie got into a discussion about her being gone and RJ missed her. Uh, uh, Chris Walken entered during this conversation and supported Natalie's, you know, point of view on the issue. And then uh, RJ got upset about this man siding with his wife, I guess. Um, I guess he forgot his rule about not getting involved <laughs> in a married couple's dispute. Um, at some point, Natalie went down to the master bedroom and then... Uh, Chris Walken said he was going to bed and this was all normal procedure. Like she would kind of go to bed before everybody. Uh, and then she would kind of get ready and come back and say good night. Um, and then he stated that RJ went to see where Natalie was and that's when they noticed she was gone at some point later in the evening. That's the story he gave at the time. And this yeah. is the story that he has changed. So this is the, the sort of new story that he's telling. And that all kind of went along with what everyone else was saying. Yeah. Um, he said when they got back on board, he offered to make tea for everybody. And while the tea was brewing, they started drinking more wine. Uh, Natalie opened another bottle of Poulet Fousse, which was her favorite wine. Uh, she lit some candles and RJ started drinking scotch. And then uh, the captain joined them at some point. While they were sitting there, Chris and Natalie continued their giggling and carrying on. And kind of almost, he described it as that they didn't even seem like they knew Robert and I were there with them. They were just so, wow. uh, which I'm sure is infuriating for a husband, right? Right. Uh, at, th at that point, Deverne actually said, this is getting to be too much now, like what they're doing. He was probably so yeah. uncomfortable. He said at some point while this was happening, 
RJ grabbed a bottle of wine and smashed it on the table right in front of them and glass went flying everywhere. Whoa. Uh, so that was the bottle. Right. And he said that uh, RJ said at that point, screaming, Jesus Christ, what are you trying to do? Fuck my wife? Like, so he, according to Vern, RJ confronts him directly about yeah. this, you know, whatever, sexual chemistry or whatever's happening. He said that RJ got up. I mean, Christopher got up immediately and headed right out the door. Uh, Natalie said, I'm not standing for this a minute longer. And she goes down to her stateroom and slams her door. Christopher also was in his room. And now D- Dennis and RJ are just there alone. Both of those people have left the scene. He tries to calm down RJ and they stayed up there for a little bit, uh, whatever. At some point, RJ says, I'm going to go down and see what's up with Natalie. Yeah. Now, Deverne said that at that point he was up on the bridge of a yacht, which I think is like that top area where you kind of stand when you steer or something. I think that's what that is. Uh, and that was over directly located directly over the wet, you know, Natalie and RJ's room. So he could hear the couple fighting like fucking crazy. Like my childhood. It sounds like my childhood. Like he said, he'd never seen them fight like this. You could hear that stuff was being thrown around and overturned. Uh, And he, according to Deverne, it was like the type of argument that only happens when it's fucking fueled by a lot of alcohol. Yeah, Uh, It was really crazy. Uh, He said that he actually thought he heard them on the rear of the boat, like move from the stateroom to the rear of the boat, continuing the argument, uh, and that he thought he heard the dinghy being untied and the ropes kind of being tugged. He said at that point, uh, it sort of ended abruptly. There was silence. So the argument went from raging argument to all of a sudden this silence. Uh, and it, there was like a long period of time that passed before Wagner, tousled and sweating profusely uh, as if he had been in a terrible fight or something, came back up to the bridge and they started drinking. Just Robert like Wagner said nothing and they continued to drink wine and I believe uh, scotch. I think that when he returned, that was about 11.30, around 11.30 to yeah. midnight when Wagner came back up to drink. They were up there drinking until 1.30 in the morning. And uh, that point, RJ said, I better go back down and check on Natalie. After a few minutes, Wagner goes appears back again and he tells the captain she's gone. Uh, she's gone. Where the hell is she? I don't know. So they're going back and forth. Natalie right. is missing. Um, that's when Deverne's decided that he would go look for her. I thought maybe she went into my stateroom feeling like she could confide in me. Like he thought maybe she was looking for him to talk about what was happening or just maybe to get away from RJ. So he's looking around the cabin. He's looking in his stateroom. He's looking uh, in an empty stateroom. He goes to Christopher's room. He goes all over the boat. Uh, I think he tells Christopher that Natalie is missing. And then he goes back up and he says she's not down below. Now, at that point, at some at that point, he walks out onto the deck to look for her, and that's when he notices that the Valiant was gone. The dinghy is right. gone. He hadn't noticed up until that point. At that point, he was really confused because he thought if Natalie had decided to return return to the shore, he would have asked her. Or he would have asked, she would have asked him to go with her. Like she never would have gone alone without him. Even it does if seem they like, were, I mean, here's my theory at this point. Uh, Not theory, not official theory, but here's my question. Is it possible that, you know, when you're so angry at someone, especially if alcohol isn't involved, 
where you just sort of have this wild idea like, well, fuck you. I'm going to go out on my own. Right. And, and you, you start some- walking out and trying to escape. And you do something that's so dangerous just to prove a point. Does that make sense? No, I, I think that that does make sense. But I think his point is that she knew she had an ally in me. Like she had used Dennis before. And maybe that's right. why he wanted to tell that whole story about the night before. How she right. got him to also kind of, it kind of, I mean, but maybe she was raging drunk. Who knows? It doesn't necessarily prove anything. Uh, at that point, he said that Wagner said to him, like, I think Deverne said, let's fire up the yacht and and cruise around the harbor looking for her in the dinghy. Yeah. And at that point, Robert said, don't do that. Let's think about this. We don't want to do anything because we don't, we don't want to alert people that there's a problem yet, which is weird. Yeah. Because there's a problem. Right. There is that a problem. That could be like, you know, life or death. Christopher Walken's story is also closer to what uh, Deverne changed his story to also. Like so his official his story. His official story from that was very similar to what Deverne said later on. I'm really confused, like, why Christopher Walken's story, I mean, it seems like something shady was going where people really weren't listening to any evidence outside of the official party line of things. like Listening to Robert Wagner's right. story. Right. So... He, I think, told the police that he did get into the small beef, like we mentioned before. Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken, right. Uh, And that Natalie seemed upset, and that they both went to their rooms and gone to bed. And the next thing he remembered was um, Captain Dennis saying, the dinghy is gone. Like, that's when he woke up. Okay. So in a more detailed interview, Christopher Walken had this to say. He said that... um, they were in the salon drinking and they had one of those conversations going where he used the reference, you put all your cards on the table. Despite the obvious inconsistencies in everyone's stories, like I said, the case was still closed despite all of these obvious things that we're seeing right now. Cause a lot of these things were said back in the initial investigation. Um, so as a witness, Dennis, like I said before, presents many problems because he has been so inconsistent and he has sold his story numerous times over the years to journalists and tabloids. Um, he uh, went on to go further about what happened in the aftermath of the death. He says that he became a virtual prisoner in Robert Wagner's Beverly Hills home after Natalie died and that um, RJ would wake up every morning around 10 a.m., cry on, they, they would cry on each other's shoulders and continued like drinking scotch. Wow. Um, he... At the time, he had a girlfriend he wanted to go visit, Deverne, and he like literally couldn't go see her, see her. He couldn't leave the house. He said that one time, like the girlfriend came over to the house and she was turned away. So he just felt beholden to right. Robert so who knows Wagner. how much of it was RJ really threatening him, and how much was Deverne's own his guilt, guilt and stuff. Um, when the alarm system kicked in at night, you couldn't even open the door. It was like being in a vault, he said. The first night I was there, I wanted to go downstairs to watch TV, and I couldn't get out. There was no phone in the room. I couldn't walk out the front door. Somebody was always there, usually RJ's bodyguard, so I felt really closed in. In the daytime, he would go downstairs, and the staff would say, let me make you drinks, Dennis. I'd go to the bar, and they'd pour me scotch, and RJ would be up in his bedroom. This was for three months that this kind of stuff went on. Uh, Deverne says, when I look back on it, I was a pure idiot. I had turned into a real drunk. I felt that I was part of RJ and that he was going to make sure that I was okay. But clearly our Robert Wagner seems like he's trying to keep the story in or something, right? Or it's just a really bad, right. sad codependent Maybe, situation. Yeah. Uh, 
Deverne also said that Wagner took him to therapy sessions, which I've never heard of. Is that even legal? Uh, he said, I was having dreams like crazy. I'd wake up with weird dreams and RJ said, Dennis, I'm having bad dreams too. So that they would go to his shrink together and talk about their dreams in therapy. Uh, after the funeral, Deverne says reporters began tailing him, and that's when they started offering him money for his story. That's where he start, he sort of first got these offers. Yeah. Uh, at some point, a tabloid offered him two hundred grand. Uh, he actually told Wagner about the offer, and Wagner said they're never going to pay you. So he was, you know, trying to you know turn turn him away from doing this. He also said that he also told Deverne that the FBI would be asking him questions, and Natalie's fans would be after him. Like, so he's sort of scaring him off from telling his story right. ever. Um, so according to Dennis, he was cut off from everybody, but they said they were doing it because they were protecting him, which is a very cult, yeah. cult-like thing to do. Wagner did get uh, Deverne into Screen Actors Guild and kind of started getting him roles, which is kind of like creepy, you know, manipulative well, behavior, right? Looking, looking at it through the lens of if Robert Wagner had something to do with Natalie Wood's death, it does come off like if that if that is the truth, then it does come off in hindsight. Looking at all these behaviors as him uh, intimidating him into not right. not talking about right. it, but uh, not in an official way, right? Like it's sort of like wink, wink. Yeah, hey, he also I'm- said that Wagner gave him checks like a thousand, two thousand, right. just here and there, like uh, so it's not a hush money. It's kind of like Michael Cohen paying Stormy. Stormy Daniels. Right. Like, hey, I'm just giving you... Doing something nice no for you. No one's being paid off here. Right. Which I actually think is a common way rich people pay people off. Because they're not going to leave a paper trail. It's just you in know? little pieces. Right. right. Here and there, getting him roles, getting him, you know, bonuses and right. whatever. Uh, so eventually they wanted to sell the yacht. Um, and Deverne got his license to do that. I guess like a real estate license to sell the yacht. Uh and it was sort of like this thing. Nobody wanted to buy the yacht, so they ended up giving it away to um, a, a boating club for young kids. Um, but once he sold the boat, he was kind of able to break away from Robert Wagner. So it was like this very metaphorical whatever. So once he left Robert Wagner, he went back to Florida, and that's when he really started selling his story. There's some interesting stories here about about things that happened when he did try to sell his story. Like one of his stories that he sold was a famous Globe story, and then the headline was "World Exclusive: Natalie Wood: The Shocking Truth About Her Death." So he's selling stories like this kind of stuff, and this is where he starts talking about the argument for the first time publicly. Yeah. He had a really insane appearance. I guess Geraldo Rivera had a show called "Now It Can Be Told" in 1992. Um, so this is about ten years after the drowning, and Deverne went on to the show with a woman he was trying to write a book with at the time about his what his story about what happened that night. So they went on and it was like a mock trial. They had a jury that they were going to present their case to. I have no idea what the show is. I never saw it. This is Geraldo's show? A Geraldo show that must have not been on very long. So basically they came on to a show to do like a mock trial and these people were going to, I guess, determine their evidence. If Robert Wagner right, was guilty. Exactly. So he's on the show with his co-author, a woman named Marty Rooley. Um, at some point during the interview, they went off camera and Deverne was sort of prompting her was was being prompted to like say certain things. Like she was saying to him, they were yelling and screaming at each other to get off the boat. And he he was saying, Oh God, I don't know if I can tell that or not. 
And Ruli said, 10 years of this, Dennis. This needs to be cleared up. We have to see how she got in the water, Dennis. Uh, don't you tell them how she got into the water. We put that in the book and we'll make billions. So all of this was actually being filmed. All of their off-camera moments was being Whoa. filmed by the show. So, the, so they have on tape her basically coaching him to say things and not give away certain things because we'll save that for the book and that's how we'll get money. That's wild. Yeah. Is this uh, on YouTube anywhere? I don't know. I, I, I didn't get a chance to look for it, but we should. I was thinking we should definitely try to see if totally. we can find this. So that's like some of the things that made him a, like a, not less, a great, less credible, less credible witness. Because he's sensationalizing. Well, this. it seemed like he was like planning things and trying to make the most money off the story rather than just telling the truth and whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, but after all of that, the, the verdict of the show was open the case, reopen the case. Oh, <laughs> so even okay. after saying, I mean, obviously it's not a very credible show either. Right. After the show, Wagner did send Deverne a letter warning him not to discuss the matter further. Uh, and then they were trying to sell a book. Um, they did eventually get a book published. Um, and that was sort of right before the 2011, uh, re reopening of the investigation. Um, now Deverne at some point said he did stop trying to make money, uh, from the I wonder how much story. money he made. Total. I don't know. I don't know that he made a ton. He, he like talks about things he did turn down. Like I did turn down $50,000 for this tabloid, blah, 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 blah. Um, and he says that he did this because ultimately he does believe Natalie deserves justice uh, and he wants it to be found out what happened to her that night. So he is living in Florida. As I said, he eventually had three children and he named his first daughter Natasha, which was After Natalie's Natalie. birth name. Yeah. Here's the thing about Deverne. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing about people like in that situation, in my opinion, just my Rachel opinion. Yeah. As uh, valid as anyone else's. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think the fact that he sold his story all over town to however many trashy tabloids and went on the this Geraldo TV show, I don't think it necessarily makes him not credible. I do think that people make bad decisions with these types of Right. And it's hard to turn down money when you're not making a lot of money. Like Right. I, I, I don't I think that but on the other hand, I do think that obviously it taints his credibility if right. he's, unfortunately, it could taint his credibility if he's just going all over town and it's appearing that he's just trying to make money off these stories. Right. But no, I don't think, I mean, but I don't think, because not everyone has a fucking PR sense or a public relations person who's an expert at right. how and to tell your story. You have no idea the advice he's getting from some like hack lawyer right. or whatever. That's what I'm I saying mean, yeah. is like, he might not be savvy about this stuff either. So, um, <laughs> um, as we all know, in February, the case was sort of once again, given a boost this uh, past February. Yeah. Just, just. Is it February now? It's still February. Okay, I have no idea what day it is. It was like the week before we did the show. As I said, I think we talked about this last week. The um, Robert Wagner was officially named a person of interest. Yes. And the cause of death was amended once again to uh, drowning with suspicious, like, suspicious circumstances. Yeah. Um, they held uh, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's homicide investigators who have been working on the case for six uh, or. I guess since uh, 2011, 
they held a news conference uh, to discuss the new details that had come forward. One of the guy's name is Lieutenant John Karina. He revealed that um, about 100 people so far have now come forth and new witnesses have 100 helped. 100? Yeah. New people. New people. New witnesses uh, were identified that have helped articulate this timeline, and a lot of them are corroborating the things that Dennis uh, has said in the past. Wow. And more people, another couple came forward corroborating that they also heard the thing that um, Wayne and Payne had heard, <laughs> the couple arguing, and they even said that they saw the couple on the back deck arguing, which is like a new uh, revelation. According to John Karina, the the investigator, as we've been get, investigated the case over the last six years, uh, Robert Wagner is now more of a person of interest. We know now that he was the last person to be with Natalie before she disappeared. We're closer to understanding what happened that weekend and how it kind of went down. Before, we were all believing the story that she got in the dinghy and tried to get, go into town in her nightgown and her socks by herself when it was raining outside and the seas were really rough. And you can't even see at that time of night, around midnight, it would have been pitch black, which made, no absolute, which made absolutely no sense if you really think about it. Karina said that investigators also had new information up until how she ended up into the water. Like that's sort of the sticking point. No one knows how she ended up in the water. Right. But now they have new information about the immediate moments before that. They interviewed uh, numerous people, people on the island, people who were more near the boat that night or that weekend, uh, including that couple I mentioned before. So it's been extremely helpful in recreating what exactly happened. He mentioned the argument. He said it was really intense and it got so bad that Dennis Deverne went back down to the cabin to check on them because he was worried um, that there was an assault going on. So that's like a new piece yeah. of evidence. Uh, he said at that point that Robert Wagner actually said to him, go away, like when he came upon the argument. So this is new. He didn't have that in his initial no. 2011 story, that he actually saw them fighting and said they, that Robert Wagner told him to go away. Right. Um, he did go away, and I mentioned before, they continued arguing, and then it went quiet. He also mentioned the bruises on her body, which were fresh bruises, and now they're thinking that those bruises on her body um, were probably caused by another person. Interesting. He said he can't say who caused the injuries, but because they know who the last person was before she went into the water, the likely suspect would be Robert Wagner. I think there's something called like non-mechanical bruises. Like you can tell when a bruise is caused by hitting a hard object or by another person, I guess. And Right. They describe these as non-mechanical bruises, which they weren't described that way before. Uh, he also said, we'll have a better understanding now whether it was accident or murder, but we need to find out why she went in the water. Um, he said that uh, they're officially thinking now that Walken was sleeping with Wood. Like that wow. is an official thing. And that their question, like I said before, is how did she get in the water? Was she placed in the water? Was she unconscious and then placed in the water? Or was she put in the water by somebody? Or did she fall into the water and nobody helped her? Like there's a few, like a lot of options there. Well, can't the, <clears throat> look, I watch a lot of Law and Order. Right. Okay. So I'm an expert on uh, this kind of science. Right. Can't they tell if somebody... How they drowned? If they drowned or if they were knocked unconscious first based right. on the water in the lungs? Well, even if you're unconscious, I think you're still breathing. Right. Okay. That's like a... Do you know what I mean? Like, Okay. So you would still be breathing in water whether you were unconscious or not. Okay. 
Um, the other thing that's obviously like suspicious is that no one heard the dinghy or noticed the dinghy was gone until much later. Like how does that, it's not like a huge boat as I mentioned before. So that also is something that doesn't make sense to them that no one heard the dinghy start up or take off or uh, whatever. There's like a million things that don't add up. Robert Wagner since then has refused to talk to investigators um, and they basically don't believe that he's telling the whole story. Like no one's saying you murdered Natalie Wood, but something's not adding up and you know more than you're letting us on to uh, letting us know. I mean, it could, if he didn't do it and he's not speaking for whatever reason, right. I can imagine a bunch of reasons why he would be cagey or not want to speak about it. And there could be a part of him where he deep down inside, even if he didn't directly kill her or, or, well, he's also 88 years old now. He's 88 years old, number one. <laughs> number two, I can't imagine, you know, if he, if he didn't have anything to do with this, just the intense guilt right. he would well, feel. Well, he does have guilt and he's admitted to that. And responsibility, even if it's not valid. <clears throat> well, I think ultimately whatever he's doing, he's changed his story a million times. Yeah. So there could be completely you know, just everyday reasons for that. Like I'm sure we've all done it or you're scared or you forget you were fucking shit faced. I mean, there's a million things that can explain why he's done that. Uh, Christopher Walken actually, uh, did talk to the new investigation. This, this new one. one. Yeah. Uh And the, uh, Lieutenant Karina didn't go into what Christopher Walken had said. Um, I was laughing because they said they were trying to re-interview Robert Wagner and they even, we're going to like take a trip to Aspen where he lives with his wife, actress, Jill St. John. It just cracks me up that he's married to Jill St. John. I'm, I don't know why it's a personal <laughs> thing that makes me laugh because they're both so eighties or something. <laughs> I mean, I did, like you said before, he does have a lot of guilt regardless of his actual, how responsible he is for death, his death. He does feel guilty about what happened to her and I he kind of blames himself. So maybe that's why he's scared too. Like, you yeah. know how you don't want to take a lie detector to the test because you might have this internal guilt that you're responsible even though you didn't do anything? Well, say he's completely innocent of anything that he's been accused of. Even in the best case scenario, like he, it's still like, imagine your spouse dies after you have an argument with them. Right. You're going to blame There's a yourself. There's of guilt. There, no matter what right. happened. Yeah. So like I said, the key to all of this is figuring out how she actually got into the water. Um, the statute of limitations has run out on every crime that could have been committed that night, except for murder. So, oh, except, except for, murder. for murder. Okay. So any other crime that was like not helping, do you know what I mean? Like any other crime is not no longer prosecutable except for murder. So hypothetically speaking, if someone saw Natalie in the water that night and, and didn't help her, I guess, but I don't even know if that was a crime then, like a Good Samaritan type law. Right. I don't even know if that's a crime in every state or if it was then. Like, you know what I mean? Because I don't know that you have to help somebody, which is crazy to me. But it's still considered a cold case at this point because they did change yeah. the cause of death. Um, and according to the other case on the uh, other detective on the case, Ralph Hernandez, we're not going to close it until we get the truth. So they're going to keep going on this Interesting. The, until they figure it out. And that is where we're at now, unless something happens today and I didn't see it. <laughs> Forgive me. So what do you think, Des? What's your uh, Desi verdict on this case? I feel like I feel like it's quite possible that she's like, I'm leaving, and he didn't fucking care. Right. 
I don't, I don't know that I believe he pushed her in the water or even had her fall in the water and didn't do anything about it. Yeah. I think she made a hissy fit and said, I'm leaving and that he's like, fine. And he's like, I'm going to go fucking drink with my buddy and not yeah. thinking that she would actually do it. That's what I think too, honestly. Uh, Hearing everything. And I feel like that's like something you would feel incredibly guilty about. Like I I I feel like she was making a stand in some kind of drunken baby way, like Which we've all done. Right. Let's be like honest. you said it before, like I've probably walked out in the snow. <laughs> Like, to be dramatic. And then you turn back like whatever well, at some point. you want them to chase after you. Right. So it's like I can see her doing something like that. Yeah. And that I feel like he his guilt, and it's rightly so, he probably could have helped her if he didn't leave her or didn't let her go on for that long. Like right. the fact that he would wait hours before checking on her. Right. Knowing, you know what I mean? Like right. he was also playing a game of chicken, I think. Yeah. I, I, I like he probably didn't think she was really going to do it. Do you know what right, I mean? Like probably, in his defense, like I don't think, I don't he, think really he really thought she was going to do either. it. So I think it's two people playing a game and she fucking died. It's like, really sad. It's really it's sad. Really and I can see sad. why he'd not want to even admit it like, or even talk about it. Right. But I, I mean, can even see how you would not even want to admit it to yourself. Like, right. But he right. was really drunk too. I mean, they were all really drunk and. I, I, yeah, I have to agree. That's sort of what I think. I don't think he murdered her. I think the worst case scenario is he did some, they did something we've probably all done in our lives yeah. and it didn't work out like it the was, way it normally does. It was the worst case scenario. It was scenario. the worst case scenario. Because like I, think about us driving out or I've done so many stupid things where I could have gotten hit by a car or I could have, you know what I mean? Like, or you got into a car with someone who was drinking, like you've done lots of stupid I, things. Especially when I was like... When I was younger. When I was younger, when I was drunk, I mean, obviously she was like a 42-year-old woman when this happened. 43. 43. I just want to correct Rachel one time on a number. (laughs) 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 When I, I mean, when I was drinking, I absolutely done stupid things like that. Like, I'm just going to get out of this car I haven't and walk really, home. Yeah, I haven't, I've done that when I was younger, but I was never really in a volatile relationship like that. Like, obviously, they're in a volatile relationship, even though they're both older at the time. But there's Christopher Walken's on the boat. Oh, my God. I mean, this is an insane situation that I would never be in unless... It's a crazy I wasn't even in that kind of thing when I was 20. Like, it's It's just crazy. So, yeah. That's what I think happened. Yeah. I think he kind of knew she was going to leave and didn't stop her. I definitely think he knew she was going to leave, in air quotes, but she really did. But he probably also thought, oh, she'll come right back, and I'm fucking too old for this shit. I'm going to go drink some Right, so that's what I think. That's ultimately what I think happened. It was that game of chicken. It's a game of chicken, and I think she probably was, like, looking for him, waiting for him to come back. I I mean, I I honestly have memories in my head of me, like, looking to see, and I'm like, well, I'm going to keep pretending I'm doing this. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I picture that's, like, what she did, like, waiting for him to come and kind of dragging it out longer than it had to be hoping that he would come back and stop her but then she just kept going along with it right because she's stubborn or and drunk like right so yeah that's what i think happened but tell me what you think happened send me some you can send me chat with us on facebook that's what our group is for talk about what you think happened and hopefully we'll get more information soon and more people will come out i mean who knows maybe he did murder her what do i know (laughs) That's just my theory. It's a tragedy all around. I almost wish he would just 
have admitted admitted it because he didn't do anything wrong. Like right. If they were both fucked if that, up. If that is the story. If that's the story, that's, I feel like it would have just made it better. Right. Maybe our listeners have a better okay, theory. Yeah, I am. I am curious so to So follow us uh, on Facebook or whatever. Join our group. Join our group, Hollywood And then follow Crime the other uh, social accounts. Follow us on Instagram if you're not, because we post pictures about we'll all of pictures. our cases. And we'll try to find the um, Geraldo video, because I want to yeah. see that. We'll but, post yeah. that on Twitter if we can. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.